The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour, eight and counting. Stocks on pace for their longest weekly losing streak since 1923. So when will the selling stop? Are we almost there? Is it time to buy some of the most beaten up names? We will discuss and debate all of that with the investment committee. Joining me for the hour today, Stephanie Link, Jason Snipe, Kevin O'Leary, and with me right here on set is Shannon Sakosha. I'm going to show you the markets. First and foremost, at 12 noon in the east, and we have taken a negative turn over the last uh, couple of hours. Dow's right now down 225, three quarters of 1%. S&P's negative. I told you about the losing streaks, the longest for the Dow since way back in 23. S&P, NASDAQ in terms of weekly losing streaks since 2001. I really wanted to focus in, Shan, on, on tech. I'm starting to hear from some people that now's the time to buy some of these names. Bespoke talks about how oversold the NASDAQ is. NASDAQ 100's 12% below its 50-day moving average, and yet it can't catch a bid. Even when it does, it evaporates before it even gets something going. The headwinds here, Scott, are just seem insurmountable on a day-to-day basis. And I think one of the things that's challenging if you've been in the space for a long time is that you're looking at the, the concentration, potentially the over-concentration in technology that you have. And so you're weighing the fact that there are some great deals here, but the, that you not, might not necessarily be able to increase the positions from where you stand today. I think the other thing that's happening is that every time there's potentially a bid here, anybody who is still overly concentrated is taking that opportunity to start to sell off some of those positions. I don't know, like yours truly. <laughs> Hello. I mean, are you speaking in the mirror or what? I mean, you're, you trimmed some apple. Yes, we did. And, and I think that that's the realistic situation that we're in. So if you think about where we were a year, from, a year ago today, we were uh, top five positions included Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet. And we still like a number of those positions. And so not, we're not necessarily exiting them entirely, but we're bringing down our overweights because we think a lot of this choppiness in the tech sector is going to continue for the next few months. And the weighting in the S&P 500, Scott, is coming down quickly. And we don't think, Kev, that, that some of these names, these mega caps especially, are, are getting close to their, their lows or the, or the worst of the sell-off. It's impossible to pick the exact moment, of course, but Apple's down 18% in a month, and Microsoft 11 and a half, and Alphabet 15 and a half, and Amazon 30. And once you start getting the negative calls coming through, you got to start wondering, right? Amazon removed from the focus list over at City, which Kramer says today might mark the bottom for Amazon. What do we think of all this? Well, there's three vectors that determine the outcome of tech and every other sector, frankly. is Number one, is the Fed going to be more aggressive? Will it be 75 basis points? That's out there. Number two is when is the consumer going to roll over? Hasn't shown signs of doing that yet. And number three, at the end of the day, have we had the capitulation yet? And I say no. You know, having seen this movie before in the past, what I want is a big event. A big 3,000 point down day when a hedge fund blows up or in this cycle maybe a Bitcoin company goes to zero. Somebody's in trouble right now. Somebody huge, over levered probably. We don't know who they are. 
But if you look back at great bottoms, it's always on a day of absolute chaos because somebody goes to zero. I want that. I'd like to sacrifice somebody, not me, of course, but somebody, and I'm not levered, but somebody out there is, and they're going to zero, and that will be our bottom. But we're nowhere near that yet. This slow grind down is painful, and it will continue. So what happened to the Kevin O'Leary who on May 6th was with me and said, quote, the slowdown's not evident. There's going to be no recession this year. A buyer of Chevron, DuPont, Signa, Moderna, United Health, Home Depot, Apple, J&J, P&G, Pfizer, Alibaba, Tencent, and was looking to add to Facebook. Where'd he go? Where'd Mr. Well, Wonderful turn into Mr. Awful? What happened? <laughs> Wait a second. Two out of three are still true. The consumer is not rolled over yet. I think there's a zero chance of recession, but that doesn't mean PEs can't get compressed. And having seen slow grinds down before, and I'm not the only person that's lived through this multiple times, is I go back to what I just said. We need capitulation. We haven't had it yet. Capitulation is not a thousand point down day. It's something catastrophic that makes everybody believe it's the end of the free world as we know it. And from there, we can build it back. There are great deals out there. There's no question some of these tech companies are trading at absolutely once-in-a-lifetime opportunity prices. But it doesn't mean we're at the bottom. This is something that's very difficult to judge. I'd argue that we're two-thirds of the way there, but another third to go. And we need some event to make it happen. Please, let's flush the toilet, but let's do it soon. Man, Snipe, we, we've, uh, so many things are down so much. 87% of the S&P's down at least 10%, 61's down 20%, 93% of the Nasdaq 100's down at least 10, 73% is down at least 20. Do we really have as much selling left as O'Leary suggests? Unfortunately, Scott, I think we do. I, th I think capitulation hasn't, and I agree with Kev here, I think capitulation hasn't fully ensued yet. Uh, you know, if you see it, obviously Apple has been the, the one that's held it up the, the, the best, you know, with the mega cap names, but down 18.5% this month. Microsoft down 12% this month. I mean, these names still need to feel a little bit more pain. And, and if I'm relating to what Kev is talking about in terms of what is the big event, I think the Fed is the big event. The Fed has to lead the way. They have to do what they need to do um, from, from a quantitative tightening perspective. Why? Because inflation is still wild. It's still raging and it, and it needs to be pulled back. And from the commentary that we heard this week, obviously the Fed is not terribly concerned about the price movements in the market. They're willing to do the work and they have to. So I think until they really get going and they've obviously started, but until they really get going um, and, and more, more volatility mm -hmm. ensues, we're, we're not going to see the flushing yet. Uh, and where you can really start to leg into some of these names. I mean, they, they started to come after the winners, big time winners this week. Steph, to wonder whether things really did start to change this week, right? The staples, the worst week since March of 2020. The sector itself down nine and a half percent. Walmart down 19 and a half. Costco, which reports next week, down 16 and a half. P&G, nine. Coca-Cola, which you sold, nine. Pepsi down seven and a half. Kraft Heinz down 14. Target's not technically a staple. It's more of a discretionary, but let's just put it in the group for obvious reasons down 30 percent this week. Are, are you as negative on the near term as Kevin and, and uh, Jason Snipe certainly appear to be? Well, it's really disappointing that we can't hold a rally, right? I mean, and this is what bear markets are. And this is what happens when you don't have the Fed at, as a backstop. So you have multiple contraction. And now this week, 
I mean, earnings overall for the first quarter, Scott, were pretty good. 12%. We've talked about that, right? But this past week was terrible for earnings. So now you have an earnings question. And I think um, if you look at the earnings, it wasn't demand, right? Demand actually was pretty good across the board, right? But it was really more margins. It's the supply chain, it's inflation, it's all of those things um, at higher costs. And that's really eating into profits. And it's uh, disappointing for sure. But I don't think you all of a sudden can conclude that we're headed for a recession. I'm with Kevin, and I've been saying this for a while. I don't think you're going to see a recession this year. Next year is a totally different ball of wax. But this year, I think the fundamentals are still solid. We just have to get through this uncertain period as to where earnings are going to settle out. By the way, back to your question about tech, as long as we have inflation, you're not going to want to have high duration assets. The Fed is going to continue to do their thing, but they're not going to be able to fight inflation. Supply chains are going to help on that inflation front, right? So maybe if inflation comes down a little bit, it's still going to remain elevated. And that's what's the real problem with some of these technology companies, particularly the companies that don't have earnings. And one last thing, tech and comm services is still 35% of the S&P 500, still very over-owned. I think you want to be selective and look for companies with strong free cash flow, earnings, and again, valuation well, discipline. Some are suggesting that a lot of those stocks that you just talked about, the higher valuation ones, even the ones that have gotten the most creamed, are attractive. And, you know, people you all know and people our viewers know of and people on Twitter follow, like Eric Jackson, who told me this in overtime yesterday. If you asked me six months ago, I, you know, my, probably my biggest fear was, are some of these names actually going to trade down to the March 2020 pandemic lows? And we've gone way past that with, with uh, several of these names. We are now in a zone which is, for, for some of these companies that have been public for maybe six, seven years, they've never been as cheap as a public company as they are now. Now, Kevin O'Leary, if you're a five-day or a five-week investor, just put on earmuffs because I'm not speaking to you. At, at the right, right for this segment. <laughs> but if you're a five-year investor, Jackson's been buying Twilio, which went from 412 to 87. Upstart went from 401 to 25. Okta from 276 to 77. Carvana from 376 to 28. He's been buying all of them. If you're a longer-term investor and you admit to yourself, I don't know exactly where the bottom's going to be, but these stocks are going to do way better over the long period. Why not? Why not do a Jackson? No, listen, I'm not against the move, but let's say you're going to buy $100 of each of these stocks. I'd only buy 20 right now, a fifth. I just don't think we've seen the bottom yet. And these names can go lower easily, very easily. These speculative names, and many of those names are actually pretty good businesses, but it doesn't mean their PEs can't go down another 10, 15%. And so there's nothing wrong with legging into the market. But if the idea that we've seen the bottom and, and, we, and we still have all these uncertainties out there, we're not there yet. So the only strategy, and for me, it's a 20%. If I'm going to own $100 worth of Carvana, I'm going to buy $20 today. I'm going to put $20 in in 30 days, $20 in after another 60, 90 days, because I don't know how to pick the bottom. Yeah, and but you're talking. I'm really unha- you're, I'm you're unhappy talking, without. You're talking like you're somebody who's got like 75% cash sitting and you have anything bought. I mean, you only have 17% cash. I only have seven. Yes, that's correct. But it doesn't mean that I can't take some off the table on rallies, which the rest of the market has been doing as I readjust. I mean, Stephanie's not wrong. 
30, 40% in tech, maybe an overweight back going in back into this cycle. I'm finding some solace in names that I haven't looked at in years back in the mid cap space that are domestic, that aren't really affected as much by interest rates, which may remain high for a while. You've got to reset your expectations for the next 36 months. It's not going to be everything going back up to its old highs. Zoom is not going to trade at 600 bucks for the rest of your lifetime, I think. But at the end of the day, it may be still a good growth story that you can leg into here, but the bottom hasn't been set. Well, I'm saying it doesn't necessarily have to go back to 600 bucks. I mean, look, if you've been sitting in the stock and riding it down, obviously that feels horrible, and you want it to go back there. And I'm not going to disagree with you on the you know, trajectory to try and get back to those levels. But if you don't own those names, you know, Eric Jackson thought they looked pretty attractive. And the, the, the numbers, Jason Snipe, that I read to you from where they were, from where they are, or to where they are, that's not attractive? Yeah, I think that obviously the point that needs to be made here is what you already made, Scott, is it depends on your time horizon and, and right-sizing these positions. I, I admit that Twilio, Twilio, which I own, Shopify that I own, which are high Biden names, long-duration names, obviously have gotten crushed over the last quarter um, and a couple of quarters, actually. And what I would say about these names is... Is it, is it time to leg into them now? I probably wouldn't do that. I think there's some more pain to go, just like I think in, in all of tech, the whole tech spectrum. But, you know, from a long-term perspective, yes, of course, they're more attractive today than they were uh, a year ago or even six months ago when they were riding like crazy. So I think um, you, you have to be super nimble here. You have to be tactical. And, and I think you really have to focus on margin expansion, stronger balance sheets, to be able to move through this cycle, which I think is going to be difficult, you know, for the next few months at yeah. least. Um, I mean, this, the slow grind lower to uh, Kevin's point has been, been tedious. I mean, really. Um, and you see right now the s- stocks are at session lows. Dow's down 366, more than 1% across the board now for everything. The NASDAQ, which was trying to get something going earlier, and a lot of stocks that you know were up uh, have turned negative. NASDAQ's down a couple of percentage points, too. So speaking of things that you may want to take a look at that, you know, some suggest could be attractive to want to leg into with the terminology that all of you have been using. We did a stock screener here at CNBC and Dom Chu touched on it earlier and I'll remind you uh, of it. The cheapest tech stocks in the S&P that could be buying opportunities sort of is the way we're looking at it. And the criteria is as follows. The biggest P.E. discount, the stocks trading at the biggest discount their forward P.E. to their average forward P.E. over the last five years. The ones that are down at least 20 percent from the highs, the ones expected to grow EPS this year by 20 percent. Now, they meet, that might be pie in the sky at this point, but who knows? The ones that have at least 50 percent buy ratings on the street, and that also may be a different story a couple weeks from now. Who knows as well? However, AMD is on the list. Why? Because it's 43.5% off the highs. The forward P.E. now 21.1. The average P.E. is 39.5. That's a huge discount, obviously. Shannon, I don't know if you looked at those kind of metrics, but what would you look at because you bought AMD? Yeah, we actually bought AMD a few days ago, um, and so I'm happy to be here on the show to be able to talk about it. Um, We really looked at this in terms of, and let's go back to some of those uh, high valuation stocks that you just talked about, Scott. 
thinking about if we're not going to see continued growth in terms of sales, where can you get increased market share? And that's really why we bought AMD. If you think about how they've been competitive with Intel over the last several years, being able to put their production on TSMC and being able to continue to capture a lot of the PC gaming market, although we are admitting and acknowledging in our estimates that we are going to see a decline in overall PC sales, PC gaming remains very strong. And we don't expect there to be a, um, a change in the uh, emphasis on um, x86 chips for PC gaming. And so we anticipate that this is going to allow into, um, AMD to continue to take market share from Intel. They have the benefit of execution. Um, and it's a competitive advantage for AMD right now. And so we think even though this is trading at a discount and there's some concerns about additional demand, we think the market share alone that they're going to be able to pick up over the next couple of years makes it worth a buy at this level. Okay. Jason Snipe, Qualcomm's on my list too. Uh, it's 33% off of its highs. It's forward PE's 10. Its average over five years is 16.3, near a 40% discount. You own it. Would you buy it if you didn't? Yeah, so Qualcomm, I, I really like the, the name here. It's, it's attractive PE, a forward of 10, as you mentioned. You know, they've really, again, the narrative that is played for them is they've, they've really moved past uh, a lot of the litigation that they had in play, you know, over the last several years. I mean, it's been, it feels like it's just been a generation, and now that's done. Um, and they've also really diversified away from the handset business. So I think Qualcomm, if you don't own it, you could leg into it here. Obviously, the semis have really gotten their faces ripped off, but I think there are opportunities in, in Qualcomm and some of the other chip names, you know, as they move through the kind of supply chain issues that, they, that we've all seen uh, throughout the sector. See, Steph, here's the problem, and we'll do this lastly before we take our, our first break. What we learned this week is that you can't really value anything, right, because you just don't know. <laughs> There was, there was so much doubt after Target reported what it did. Walmart at first felt like a one-off, and then Target came out and seemed to change the game for everybody because you have a real-world example in real time of just how quickly the issue of inflation is impacting corporate profits. And it's only going to continue. The bread and butter of what you talk about all the time, margins, hurt for a company like that earnings, pricing power. You don't know what a proper value of these stocks are now because of what happened in large respects this week. Kramer today on Squawk. This is the week that you realized that it is just inflamed and it is not going away. Speaking of inflation, I was shocked. Didn't know that it was as bad as it is. Inflation is in every aisle and he wants the Fed to go 100 basis points. He said that for the last couple of weeks. Go big or go home because at this point it's getting ridiculous. We've seen inflation and we've been talking about inflation for a year and a half, Scott. We've also talked about that's the reason why you want to own companies with pricing power. And this week was was just terrible, terrible. But I will say that I think Walmart and Target, a lot of this is company specific. I mean, they actually did not follow what the consumer was actually doing. And the consumer started last year selling some of the good stuff or stop like ending buying the, the good stuff and, and actually going more towards services and experiences. And that's exactly what happened. So both companies were left with a ton of inventory because they thought 
that they would continue to see goods demand. And also, we did see a little bit of trade down, so that's, that is not their fault, for sure. But they missed it, both of these companies, and we probably should have gotten, given uh, uh, the Amazon quarter, a little more respect when they also had a very disappointing quarter. So for every, T for every uh, Target and Walmart, there's a Home Depot, there's a TJX. There are companies out there that are delivering, especially on the consumer side, yeah, but across but the spectrum. We talked, yet, we, talk, we talked yesterday on OT about how about Schlumberger? They have pricing power. Or Emerson has pricing power. Expedia has pricing power. So those are the companies that I own, not all of them, but I own. Those are the kind of companies I want to own with earnings and free cash flow and hopefully dividends and dividend growth. Yeah, but you get the feeling, though, Shan, that this was the week where at least for consumer-related stuff, that this was the week where pricing power ended. That you came to a point where companies that serve a lot of customers, various ends of the spectrum, in some cases at the lower end of the pricing uh, spectrum, pricing power ended. They told you, can't keep raising prices like we were. What was six to nine months ago of pricing power, which everybody said, well, that's gonna get these companies through, as Steph said, buy the companies that have power. Somebody picked that up. Might be lunch. Um, don't have pricing power anymore. <laughs> um, I think that one of the things that Steph just made a great point is, you know, thinking, and you just did as well, what, you know, what part of the consumer base are these companies targeting? And I think the biggest challenge here is that haven't we all been looking for the transition from goods to services spending? Look at car credit card data from the month of April. You saw goods come way down, and you actually saw a lot of services spending go way up, airlines, hotels. So I think that the the... the rotation that we've all been looking for to ease some of these supply chain issues is here and in, in the now. The problem is, is that these inventories are going to have to be brought down. There's going to be more markdowns. Um, and I think that that middle of the store, whether it's Target or Walmart, is going to continue to suffer. And so I think you need to re-rate some of these stocks based on those expectations. Okay. We are going to take that break I just told you about. When we come back, one of Stephanie Link's stocks is at a three-month low, and she bought more of it this morning. I'll tell you exactly what it is when we come back. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash halftime report. That is linkedin.com slash halftime report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash halftime report and get started. We're showing you the wall here because the S&P 500 has now dropped more than 20% below its intraday all-time high officially bear market territory. We're on the cusp. We're knocking on the door. Now we're there. This is also a new uh, intraday low for 2022. This was set last Thursday. It was 3858. 
was the prior intraday low. So you can see we're at 38.50 right now. Kevin O'Leary, it has really been a slow, painful grind, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And I don't see it stopping anytime soon. It, it's, it's going to have to really face capitulation. We've missed it from this market since the beginning of this downturn. Uh, there's optimism every day, and these rallies don't hold. This is a classic bear market. And, you know, I don't agree with Kramer's move to 100 basis points on the Fed, and I'll tell you why. It doesn't fix the supply chain problem. It just grinds the economy to a faster halt, causes a lot of pain on continued market decline, but it doesn't fix, which I think is 50% of the inflation issue. You Listen to what Target was saying. Listen to what Walmart was saying about not only missing the right inventory model for consumers, but also really facing inflation, including in Target's situation, a billion dollars of additional transportation costs just from supply chain damage. So we've got to fix that first, or at least at the same time we're jacking up rates. No, you can't Every, do that. How are you going to do that? Well, you, you can't can. fix this. You cannot fix the supply chain issue that quickly. You've got to deal with the inflation that's there now. That's like insinuating that the Fed shouldn't do anything right now until the supply chain thing is fixed. And by that time, inflation is going to be even worse. You have to cut off I demand. How can I you don't not? Mind the, I don't mind the Fed staying with another 50 basis point rate hike, but not the shell, shell shock of 100 points. We can argue about that till the cows come home. But I'll tell you something. I don't know why we're not putting in the reserve, the guard reserve, just to help the port of, of Los Angeles. Everybody keeps thinking that's been fixed. It hasn't been fixed. I still live with that every day. We, we're running out of inventory parts for all of my domestic manufacturing facilities, my supply kitchens, commercial kitchens, whether I'm making gym equipment. I don't know who ever said that we fixed L.A. port, let alone all the other ports. we got big issues here. And maybe we should rethink policy on energy. That's been talked ad nauseum. Canceling pipelines was not a good idea. And that's half the problem on energy spiking in inflation. Food. You can't even get ham in Miami Beach right now because there's no trucks coming from the farm supplies. This exists still today. That's a domestic issue, Scotty. We should be focusing on that. The president should be really looking at that right now. It's a big issue. All right. Let's talk deer because that's what I really wanted to do before hmm. we got tracked on. Look, the S&P 500 is still sitting a little more than 20 percent off of its high. And that just happened as we were having that conversation or, or just prior to it. So, Steph, Deer dropped to a three-month low. You just told me the other day that you bought it, and I just teased earlier that yep. you bought more on this weakness today. Why? I did. I did buy more. I started uh, very small uh, because I, because I like the story. I like the farm equipment story, the secular growth. I like the fact that they're involving technology into their business and getting more efficient, and that should help margins. But they, too, were hit by supply chain. Um, and so they beat the quarter. It wasn't really great quality. Production and precision ag came in light, but it came in light. It's still up 13%, again, with supply chain issues. Construction and forestry hit it out of the park, up 9% year over year in terms of revenue. But operating profit, meaning they took a lot of price, 66% growth year over year. So. I think this is overdone. Uh, the deer has ha hung in there relatively better than other industrials. And so they're just taking it to the woodshed today. And I just think for the long term, this is a quality franchise, definitely on sale. They just put up 9% total revenue growth and 17% earnings growth. And, it's, and they, oh, and they raise guidance as well. Mm -hmm. So any day of the year when a company, they, they, when a company falls, but they're raising guidance, the stock gets even cheaper. Kevin O'Leary, quickly, and then I got a break. You bought Bungie from, you know, obviously an, an ag play. 
Yeah, ag, no question about it. Stephanie's right. Ag is an amazing place to be right now. It's really been resilient. BG, the ticker of that, is actually a small cap, a larger in the Russell 2000, but a company that's really delivering over 80 storage facilities, specialized oils and grains, things that people have to have and have really been very important right through this cycle and will continue to be. You know, it's going to be states like North Dakota, which people have really not had on their radar screen, that are heavy in ag, heavy in shale, heavy in nat gas. These states are really making a killing. Their budget for just free cash flow is up 60% from last year's forecast. There are some winners in this whole situation, but a lot of it is because of policy mistakes, and we got to focus on that going forward. We have to be more self you know, supplied in terms of all of this stuff. And I think the economy will adjust over time towards that metric. Okay. We'll take that break. The S&P just entering a bear market officially. Our halftime headliner, Ed Yardeni, is up next. We'll get his take on all of it. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Here is your CNBC News update at this hour. The group of seven leading global economies are agreeing to provide nearly $20 billion in economic aid to Ukraine. German Finance Minister Christian Linder telling reporters that Ukraine's financial situation must have no influence on its ability to defend itself. As President Joe Biden makes his first official trip to Asia since being inaugurated, a new poll shows his approval rating dipped to its lowest point of his presidency. Only 39 percent of U.S. adults approve of Biden's performance, and just about 2 in 10 adults say the United States is heading in the right direction. Although President Biden will remain in Asia until next Wednesday, two Secret Service members have been sent back to the U.S. early. This comes, back, comes after both agents were allegedly involved in an off-duty incident. A spokesman for the agency saying both members will immediately be placed on administrative leave. Former New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio will be running for Congress in one of the state's new, newly drawn districts. De Blasio left City Hall in December after serving as mayor for eight years and unsuccessfully ran for the Democratic presidential nomination in 2020. Scott, back to you. Seema, appreciate that very much. All right, let's welcome in Ed Yardeni. He is the president of Yardeni Research. It's good to see you again. You've Thank you, Scott. You've been more positive than most, I think is fair to say. Where do you sit today? Because the situation changes awfully yeah. quickly for a lot of people. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm really more positive than most, maybe on the long term trend. I see a tremendous amount of pessimism right now about an imminent recession, about uh, all sorts of issues that are going to weigh on the economy, not just this year, but for, for coming years. Uh, I've also been more positive, as you said, on earnings. Uh, the earnings outlook still looks pretty good. I know that this has been a lousy week for uh, retail earnings, uh, but uh, the reality is in the first quarter earnings season that uh, is kind of wrapping up now, analysts started out thinking that it would be up 5% on a year-over-year basis. It's coming in more like 10% on, on a year-over-year basis. And that's even including the disappointments we got in, in the retailers. Uh, by the way, I'd point out, Scott, that uh, here we are in, in a bear market territory as we speak. Uh, but it's interesting to note that the equal weighted uh, S&P 500 as of yesterday was down about 13%. So clearly, uh, the, the, we're, we're paying the price now for the big cap tech names that had this huge run-up in valuation multiples during the pandemic, and now they're seeing, a, obviously, a comeuppance. What if earnings drop off a cliff, right? I hear, you on, I hear you on the numbers, yep. but what if things deteriorate yep. rapidly and already yep. are, frankly, and we just don't realize the full extent sure. yet? Sure. I mean, that's a very important question, and that's, that's, that's the issue here, uh, because what we've seen so far is the uh, sell-off has been... Uh, all valuation-led, uh, the, the valuation multiples have come down for the S&P 500. It's down from uh, about 20 at the beginning of the year uh, to, to 16. I'm thinking 16 is going to hold, but uh, we'll see. We're on, we're on the edge right here. Uh, the reason I think 16 should hold is because I don't see a recession, and I don't see earnings falling off the edge here. Uh, clear, to a large extent, this will depend on whether uh, the stock market is anticipating correctly a recession or not. Uh, as some of your panelists have been pointing out, uh, we are seeing a slowdown in uh, spending on consumer goods. And by the way, that should lead some, to some rather important signs of inflation coming down, particularly in consumer goods. But uh, consumers are pivoting towards spending more on services. Capital spending is at an all-time record high as companies have to use technology to and, and capital goods to uh, deal with the labor shortages. So I'm not in that camp, but uh, clearly that's what the market uh, is very uh, concerned about is that this is going to lead to a recession. But, so it's either going to be like 1987, where we had a bear market, uh, but earnings continued to, to stay up, and uh, so the bear market didn't last very long, or else it'll turn out to be a full-fledged recession with a, a longer bear market. I'm still in the camp that uh, thinks that earnings uh, are going to hang in there pretty well. In, in terms of the here and now, does it feel to you like we've moved from pricing in a fair amount of tightening to now trying to price in a recession or something well, worse. Really, and we just it's hard for us to get there because we're just not exactly sure, especially after what we got this week from Target and some others. Well, I think I think when we look broadly at the financial markets, they are pricing in a recession. Not only is the stock market down a, a great deal, uh, but we're also seeing that the bond yield is uh, uh, held down to the 3% handle uh, pretty well. It's actually below the 3% handle at 2.85%. And then the, even the two-year has uh, come down a bit. The two-year is uh, now stabilized. As you know, for over a year, it's just kind of gone straight up from zero uh, to almost 3%. And now we're stabilizing at 2.6%. Uh, so the fixed income markets are starting to signal that uh, they think uh, that uh, credit conditions have already tightened quite a bit in anticipation of the Fed uh, moving, mm -hmm. and the Fed isn't have, going to have to move uh, quite uh, as aggressively as some people had feared. I, I wonder. But, uh, I, I, I agree that you know well, they should just get it over with. Yeah, right. Um, I, I do wonder, and, and some obviously are, are are talking about this. 
the amount of wealth destruction that's already taken place sure. from the pullback in, in, in a variety of asset classes, right? Absolutely. Uh, not, not just stocks, crypto and, and the like. And J.P. Morgan says today, uh, we estimate that household wealth in the form of debt, equity and real estate has on net fallen by somewhere between five trillion and eight trillion since the beginning mm -hmm. of the year. A wealth shock that is set to drag on growth in the coming year. W what do you think about that? It makes sense. The question is uh, the extent to which people really perceive that the wealth gains that they've had over the past two years are, are, are permanent and that they went ahead and, and make some commitments on it. Um, a lot of people have seen their home prices uh, go up by 35 uh, percent on a year over year basis. That's the uh, uh, median existing home price uh, that people go out and uh, take out uh, home loans and uh, set up their home as a cash uh, machine. I don't think so. Uh, so I think a lot of people are, are, are going to conclude that uh, easy come, easy go. I, I, I think at the end of the day, it's going to depend on the job market, which still looks pretty good. And of course, it'll depend on wages. And right now, wages look like they're basically uh, uh, being eroded uh, by, by prices. Uh, but I do think that uh, the underlying growth in productivity will come through and that wages will grow faster than yeah. prices uh, over the next couple of years. All right. And I appreciate your time as always. We'll see you soon. That's it. You're Denny. Thanks, Kevin. Scott. Yep, you bet. Kevin O'Leary is making a number of new buys. We're going to reveal all of them and we'll, of course, debate them next. I want to show you the markets once again. We're in the last, say, 15 minutes or so. The S&P 500 officially entered bear market territory. We're at session lows right now. S&P's down one and two thirds percent. And the Nasdaq just continues to sell down. It's down uh, two and a third percent. 11,125 for the Nasdaq yields falling today, 279. So there's a fair amount of concern uh, all around, uh, really, on a slowing uh, growth environment, whether recession is in the offing or not and by, and by when. But certainly there's a, a lot of concern in the market today. There you are uh, at the lows uh, of the day. Let's talk about some moves. You sold Cognex, CGNX. You want to talk about that one right now? Sure. So this is a visual sensor company. We were hoping that with necessary uh, efficiencies in the production uh, here, especially onshore, that they would be picking up in volume. But honestly, we bought this in September, completely beset by uh, supply chain issues, and they haven't been able to make deliveries, so poor execution. This is not an environment where if your thesis is under pressure, you want to be holding onto a stock. So we exited the position. Okay. Kevin O'Leary, you have a number of new mid-cap buys. Uh, Amdocs? Jack Henry yep. and Service Corp. Can you tell me uh, briefly about those, please, for those who don't know? Sure. Just the overlying theme is we tend to ignore the Russell 2000. The truth is two-thirds of the companies are not worth owning, but a third in the mid-cap to larger cap for five, six billion, uh, which these names fall into. These are profitable companies that are growing a little faster than the S&P, are not subject to currency exchange or tariffs, service domestic market. We've just been talking about how the consumer is still strong. Service Corp is all about death. And unfortunately, even though the market declines and is in a bear market territory now, people will die at the same rate as they did when the markets were at the high. And pretty well, every funeral, every cremation, every celebration of life touches this company headquartered in Texas. If you look at the chart, it's done much better than a lot of other companies. Also, information technologies, ad docs, for example, when we talk about that, these are smaller cap information companies that service sectors that a lot of people believe will be around regardless of what happens to market cap. My general theme with these names, Judge, is that a safe place to hide with less downside because they service domestic markets, are cash flow positives, trading at lower PEs. And you've got to admit, in the case of something like a service, people are dying to get in. 
I got you. All right. Shares of Palo Alto Networks are surging post earnings. It's one of the true bright spots in the market today. We'll get Jason Snipes uh, thoughts on that and we'll debate the cyber stock trade. We'll do it uh, in two minutes. Shares of Palo Alto Network surging after beating estimates, hiking guidance for a third time on pace for its best day now since February 24th. Jason Snipe, Palo Alto, you own that. Yeah, man, I, I like Palo Alto here. They've been very consistent over the last several quarters. I mean, beating almost 21, 21 times the last 21 uh, quarters in revenue and EPS growth, oh, 21 out of the last 22 quarters. So. They've done really well. Obviously, the Russia-Ukraine crisis serves as a catalyst here. Um, unfortunately, cyber attacks continue to be very prevalent in our environment. Um, it's trading at 61, 63 times forward, so it's not a cheap stock. But I really like, I really like this space. I really like the company, and I, and I think it has some upside from here as well. Steph, you like the space. You just play it a different way through Fortinet. Yeah, yeah, it's the only price to sales stock that I own in my portfolio because it's it's that just the volatility is crazy. But at 12 times price to sales, I think it's reasonably valued. And it just speaks to the Palo Alto quarter just speaks to the total addressable market strength and uh, the opportunity. These guys just had a co- an, an analyst day uh, a couple of uh, weeks ago, and they're talking about billings by fiscal 25 to get to 10 billion. The street was at eight and a half billion. So this is just a rapidly growing space. And, and these guys are doing a really good job. Okay, up next, it's our call of the day, a big cap tech stock that one firm now says is too cheap to ignore. Plus, during May, we are celebrating Asian American and Pacific Islander heritage and featuring some of our CNBC teammates and contributors. Here's Tom Lee, Fundstrat Managing Partner. I grew up in Michigan. My parents were immigrated to the U.S. in the 60s. My father was a doctor. My mother was a business owner. And one of the things I'm so proud of them is, is how hard they worked really to not only uh, overcome the language barriers and learn English, but also just a work ethic. And that's stuck with me my whole life, that you need to work hard, contribute to the community, and really emphasize family. I think that's what I have the most pride about. We're back. For the most part, we're at the lows of the day, uh, or awfully close. The uh, S&P 500 just a short time ago officially entering bear market territory, still sitting with a loss of 64 points. It's at 38.36. There's the Dow uh, in the midst of its longest weekly losing streak since 1923. That's eight weeks in a row we're working on. For the Nasdaq and the S&P, it's seven weeks. And that's the longest streak since 2001. But nonetheless, it just gives you an idea of the, the, just the slow drip, and the, for the most part, of selling that there's been outside of a couple of really sharp declining days. Uh, but that's where we currently stand right there. There's the NASDAQ, which you're looking at now, approaching a 2.5% loss. Let's talk about uh, one stock in that. It's JP Morgan, it's Salesforce. Too cheap to ignore. The firm reiterating its overweight rating, 306, the price targets are called the day. Shan, you own it. So what do we, what do we think about the, uh, this call? 316 is the price target. I read that wrong, my, my bad. Well, I'd say the market doesn't disagrees with J.P. Morgan. They've been ignoring the stock for a long time. Um, I think that if you look at what Ed just told us in terms of technology spend, um, that is going to be focused on areas of efficiency. We're still in a hybrid environment. Cloud is going to continue to be a big part of how we get our businesses done. And most importantly, if you look at Salesforce's partners, they believe that Salesforce is showing momentum in both their sales as well as better technology that they're putting out into the marketplace. So the ecosystem is incredibly competitive. 
competitive. And I believe that this is going to make up a big part of enterprise spend over the next several years. It's a great time to be able to add to this chassis um, for the cloud going forward. Kevin O'Leary, you have it in your ETF. Big weighting, too. Yeah, one of the top. This is pure digital infrastructure. Plus, all of my private companies, it's a standard. We buy the seats and the licenses, and the technology keeps getting better. I don't know how we would have survived during the pandemic without this tool. And I think whether you're a $500 million company or a $500 billion company, this tool is so important for customer acquisition and retention. And I think it's going to be around for decades to come. It's a long-term hold. All right, we will take a break. We'll come back. We'll do final trades next. Are you following the Halftime Report podcast? What are you waiting for? Real debate and actionable advice from the investment committee, plus unusual activity and more. Look for us in your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast now. Tune into Overtime tonight, 4 o'clock Eastern Time. Jim Cramer joining me right off the top tonight. And there's obviously so much to talk to Jim about as the S&P 500 officially enters bear market territory today. Dan Ives has a new note. On Apple, we'll talk to him about that. That stock has has been beaten up lately, too, as has Tesla. And Dan covers that. We're going to discuss that as well. Cameron Dawson will be with me looking at the markets, too. I hope everybody will be there. Um, Let's kick things around, guys. We have a little bit of extra time today, Um, just given the environment we're in. You know, Jason Snipe, the, the kinds of things you're going to be thinking about over the weekend as we head into a new week. You've got Costco reporting next week. I, that's got to be front and center for many, given what we had from Target and Walmart this week. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Obviously, Walmart and Target were a good read into the consumer. And I think as we look to Costco next week and obviously BJ's last <coughs> yesterday, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm following them very closely to kind of get, continue to get a read on the consumer, but it's a fragmented market. All operators are working differently in this space. So Costco, I'm looking to, to see some decent numbers here. Steph, if you own Costco, and, and maybe you do, uh, forgive me, I don't have that off the top of my head uh, at this point. Um, would you be concerned now, given what you got this week? No. I mean, Costco has a totally different business model. 75% of their business is recurring revenue, memberships, right? Membership fees. In fact, there's rumors that they're actually going to raise the fees this summer. So Costco is one. I was just looking at the valuation on my screen. 31 times, not there yet, Scott. But down 27% on the year, 28%. It's getting very interesting to me. This is a stellar company, very well run, good balance sheet. So it's on my list for sure. Um, You own it? I'm sure it was going to be your final trade. I mean, right, here's one thing. It could be everything that Steph said, but the environment <clears throat> is the environment. And a changing environment changes a stock. It is, but they're getting a ton of foot traffic for gas. Um, they have the sustainable revenue. They have limited SKUs. It's a different buying program. So, I mean, I think that the, I think they could actually do better than expected next week based on comparisons to what we saw this past couple of days. All right, Kev, same question to you about, sort of, you know, this look ahead taking stock of where we are. I know what your view was at the top of the show. You're looking for, you know, a little more selling uh, and maybe some more dramatic is a, is a better word to use. But what's your final trade as well? Nestle. I mean, with, you know, consumer goods, particularly baby powder and, and, you know, baby formula has been in the news lately. Nestle is actually a great trade name because it's been pressed down with everything else, but it's a global behemoth. Swiss security, obviously, but trades here also. But mm-hmm. 50% of its sales are in the U.S. and it's a discount to similar companies. I would just say it's now time to put together your capitulation list. I spent my time this morning getting ready for the toilet to flush. It's going to happen soon. Somebody's going to zero. 
That's a good thing. I don't know who it's going to be. That day, I hit this list. So I think everybody should get ready. And I, no, Costco, I'd like to see it down to 35% down. I'd buy even more of it. I think it could get hit badly just because of the environment it's in. Yeah. Uh, Steph, do you have a final trade? Well, I'm going to go with John Deere. The morgue falls. The, the numbers are going higher. It stops now trading at 13.7 times forward. I like this for the long term. Jason Snipe, your final. I like AbV here. Free cash flow yield, almost 8%, a dividend of three and three quarters. I think it's, it plays well into this environment. Okay. I'll show you the market as we go out. S&P 38.34. That dominates the story. It's a new intraday low for 22. It's officially a bear market. I'll see you later. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.